0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three. We are back for another round of conversation with Matthew Friedman, RotoViz OG, on RotoViz Radio. What's
2: up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, once again joined by Matthew Friedman, a Rotoviz alumnus, a man of the people, a waffle eater. However, though, he's a lot of things, but one thing he is not is well-versed in technology. We have been hearing some random sounds coming through. Uh on all of our headsets, they may have been present in the episode that dropped on Tuesday. They may be present in the episode today, but we will just press on through it. Uh, Matt, how does
2: it-first of, of all, I have to say the the way you phrased it there made it sound as if the sounds were coming from my end, <laughs> which Matt, he doesn't know what he's doing with technology. <laughs> you might have heard some noises. First of all, those noises were coming. From your end of everything that was happening. So I just, I want to put that out there. I I don't claim to be a technology savant, but I was not the one who was polluting the airwaves with my phone buzzing. Uh, By the way, it's nice to be on the show again. It's almost as if we're just recording these episodes one after another after another. Uh, So great to be on the show with you guys. By the way, I should say, I didn't mention this last time. Really a fan of uh, what you guys have been doing on the show and the Road of His Radio channel in general. Uh, especially love the new show with Siegel and Gretch. Fantastic show. Uh, you guys should try to be more like them, frankly. Just, just putting it out there. All right. You guys got some work to do. You're, you're doing a fine job. You guys could be doing better. All right. I want to see you two bringing it this episode, it's uh-huh. nice to be back.
1: All right. All right. So if you want us to bring it, I guess we will start off with a question I have here. Let's give this, uh, I don't know, a uh, a deep dive, a deep dive drop there, Friedman. We have Urban Meyer, former college football coach extraordinaire, making his entrance into the National Football League, doing it with a young rookie phenom potentially in trevor lawrence i want to know on a scale from disaster to raging success where do you expect the jaguars to fall this season and then also give me a prediction for what this team looks like in three to five years is meyer even still around
2: three to five years i i would say uh i will take the under I, I don't think he is going to last that long, but I mean, you never know if Trevor Lawrence is actually generational, maybe he will be good enough along with LaVisca Chenault. Uh, maybe he will be good enough to drag Urban Meyer to NFL success. But, you know, on a, a scale of like uh, disaster to raging success, uh, I'll take sort of the path of least resistance and say like, they'll probably be fairly mediocre. You know, just kind of like right in the middle of what you would maybe expect for an NFL team. Um, I expect them to play faster, which I think will help to inflate their statistics. But I think they will probably be below average in their efficiency. Um, the one thing I would say is that it is intriguing the wide receiver unit that they have. Uh, I'm not really all that into DJ Shark, but uh, LaVisca Shenault, obviously... Uh, very sexy in his style of play, Uh, fantastic prospect. And then you add Marvin Jones, who's a perennially uh, underappreciated professional receiver playing in an offense that he knows well under coordinator, Daryl Bevel. Those guys are interesting. And then Travis Etienne, you know, as much as we loved James Robinson last year, who is a fantastic out of nowhere producer Etienne really does intrigue me because of his all-around skill set, his athleticism, uh, his third-down ability. Uh, It is unfortunate that there are too many running backs there, but I still think that at the end of the season, second half, we can see Etienne hopefully come from nowhere and really be a guy who can help win leagues. So the pieces individually are intriguing. I could see how some of the guys really do outperform their ADP, but that offense taken as a whole, I think is going to be just rather middling, you know, like you look at it at the end of the season. It's like, yeah, they played fast and went nowhere.
1: Right. So on a scale though, from disaster to raging success, you can forget about the 3 to 5 year window. Just give me this season. Where where do we fall on that scale?
2: Yeah, right in the middle. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, right, right in the middle.
1: Well, I was expecting you to try to like, you know, search for the adjective that you would use.
2: The adjective I used was middling. And okay. then you asked me to <laughs> repeat my answer.
1: All right. All right. Well, you know, I just thought that maybe you 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 used to struggle sometimes. With the you know, I would have to give very defined parameters to these questions, etc. So I didn't know if you I know, hit it was right in...
2: down the middle of the fairway okay. and you didn't seem to see what I was doing there. All
1: right. I, I got it, I got it. Curtis, you have anything more exciting for me than than you know the the layup answer, which is right in the middle. Yeah, I think they'll be
3: they'll be below average. Um I'm less concerned with Urban Meyer's impact on the offense. I think he's definitely tried to put a stamp on player personnel. Um, you know, he, that was kind of a non-negotiable for him if he was going to come to the NFL at any point. I think it's why it took so long. Um, Daryl Bevel ultimately is going to be calling the plays. When we look at Daryl Bevel's uh, career as an offensive coordinator, when he's had Hall of Fame level talent, uh, he's he's been able to get great results uh, from his team. You know, he had uh, an awesome, awesome rushing offense uh, back in his days in Minnesota when Adrian Peterson was in his prime. And, you know, he was able to do it again with Marshawn Lynch uh, in Seattle. And, of course, both of those guys, uh, all-time level bell cows. We don't know how it's going to shake out uh, in terms of touch share in Jacksonville. If, if Urban Meyer does try to influence the scheme uh, and not so much the actual play calling, I could definitely see Hot hand approach. Uh, He used that a lot at Ohio State, uh, or he would have specific uh, types of carries scripted for specific types of players. So we could see an increased number of Chenault jet sweeps, um, some two back stuff with James Robinson and Travis Etienne, and then Etienne almost calling, kind of falling in between Chenault and Robinson uh, as kind of a a versatile back that's not pounding and not only getting the sweeps. I think it's going to be pretty frustrating for fantasy, but I also think. To your point, Friedman, if they play fast and their efficiency is poor, I think they're going to get behind early in games. And so you could maybe see some value in the passing game here. I think for real football terms, it's going to be pretty disastrous. I don't see them winning more than four games. Probably two of those will have to be against the Texans if they even win four. Um, And so (laughs) so they're lucky to be playing uh, in a division with Houston. I think it's going to be year two. What does it look like when a lot of these younger players um, have had a full year in the system and have a chance to take a a step forward.
1: Well, I'm surprised that Carlos Hyde didn't get mentioned there as a, uh, you know, dark horse out of the backfield. Uh, But Matt, you know, talking about the potential, you know, win totals for Jacksonville, there brings me back to betting, which we all know you are getting extremely well versed in. You have any bets that you like this year that you've seen be it, you know, player prop bets, uh, you know, win totals, anything of that nature.
2: Yeah, I, I have a number of bets, which are at FTN bets in the, the bet tracker there. Uh, and I have a lot of articles there that are free, hundred uh, percent free. And uh, all of my bets are, are in there. So just go, go see the articles. But uh, I should say one player prop that really stands out to me is Devonte Smith. And I, I'd like to get your thoughts on this um his player prop i believe opened around 775 his receiving yardage prop which to me just feels criminally low um and it's i believe now around 800 maybe even 850 at some books but i mean i think he's got a pretty good chance especially when you add in that 17th game this year i think he's got a pretty good chance of getting above 900 yards receiving i mean i think he's already the number one receiver there even thinking, okay, maybe Zach Ertz returns and he gets some sort of, you know, like inflated veteran treatment, whatever, maybe Dallas Goddard gets a ton of targets. I still think not just the number one wide receiver, the number one pass catcher for the Eagles. And with the wealth of targets, he could have coming his way. I mean, it, it could be 120. It could be more with the targets that he's going to get. I think he smashes his receiving total. So Devonte Smith, wherever you can find it, uh, I've, I've bet it. That's one of my favorite player props of the year.
3: Yeah. I love that um, call, Matt. Totally agree with it. Um, You know, even when he was kind of thrust into the role, probably a year early, uh, we only got the three full starts that from start to finish uh, from Jalen hurts last year, he averaged 282 passing yards per game in those three contests. Um, I, I mean, you only need 50 yards a game, even at 850 yards in a 17 game season. So you're basically telling me, you know you you, you would think that Devonte Smith would uh, would project for something like 17% of total team receiving yards. Uh, that's all he has to do in order to in, in order to uh, to cash that. So I mean I love that call that's that's a great free uh uh betting fodder there prop bet fodder uh for our listeners great call. yeah
2: and and I, sh- I should just say and dave i'd like to get your your thoughts on on Devontae smith because he was obviously a, a really uh polarizing prospect going through the process but you know at this point he's in the league i think there's upside there i think a lot of the um the player props for season long uh season long markets uh when you're looking at the veterans those tend to be fairly efficient, because we have an idea of what those guys are going to do. But with the rookies, I think there is significant value year in and year out embedding in those markets. Uh, So, Dave, I'd like to know, what do you think about Devontae Smith?
1: Yeah. So I actually, like you, when I start analyzing Philadelphia and what I think feels like a reasonable expectation, I expect him to crush that. I very honestly could see a scenario where Smith gets over a thousand yards and that isn't even with some outsized type of target volume or target total. Uh, Some of that assumes some efficiency. But with where I expect him to finish, I think that there's a good 100, 150 yards of efficiency that he could lose and still crush that. So that seems like a great one uh, in my perspective. And I don't know if it's one of those where I would have, if just asked this, but not having worked through projections or actually gone through and looked at the way that this offense could function, could come up with it. But I actually think that's that's a really intriguing bet. Uh, so kind of speaking of the rookie wide receivers, Matt, uh, Curtis and I were fans of Smith. You know, we made the case for him coming into the league of why people shouldn't be overlooking him. Obviously, we liked Jamar Chase. I've been a huge proponent of Jalen Waddle. A lot of really interesting rookie wide receivers right uh, th- this season. Who do you think has the biggest impact in 2021? The best rookie season from a fantasy perspective among this strong class?
2: Yeah, that's... That's a really good question. I think it's hard to answer. Maybe it's Devontae Smith. Maybe. Um, Elijah Moore, I think he has a ton of potential. But with the usage we've seen Corey Davis get in the preseason, I mean, maybe Corey Davis just has a little more juice than we anticipated. And he's good enough to keep Elijah Moore in more of a number two role, which means he won't get the volume he needs to overtake Devontae Smith. Uh, You know, Rashad Bateman, we loved him entering the process, um, but uh, you know there are some significant negatives there in Baltimore, and he's dealing with an injury. Terrace Marshall again loved the upside, but he could be a number three receiver there, even if he is the number one touchdown scorer uh, in in Carolina, which could be the case. He still, I think, would have a hard time going above Devontae Smith. You know, Jamar Chase by ADP is kind of the sexy answer, but. Uh, You know, he's struggling uh, in various ways in camp. And then, you know, there are other two really good receivers there in that offense who could beat him out for targets. So I I really do think it's probably Devontae Smith, the one guy who does intrigue me going further down the board that I I think has an underappreciated chance. And, and you know, I'm going to say it's Rondell Moore. And it's it's because of the usage where he could end up getting so many freebie receptions each game where in PPR leagues that could give him the edge and I think he's efficient enough as an after the catch weapon where he could still create a pretty decent amount of yards even though he's getting the ball at the line of scrimmage. So. Given his ability in the slot, his overall playmaking ability, the prospect profile that he had, his athleticism, all of that. Uh, And then you add in the fact that, like, I just don't really have much respect for AJ Green and Christian Kirk at this point. Like, I think he has a pretty decent chance of being the number two receiver there. And with the volume of passing targets that could be coming his way in Arizona. Yeah, I think he actually has a a pretty decent chance of overtaking Devontae Smith. So I I will say Smith, but I think the guy who could challenge him is Rondell Moore.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, Moore definitely super exciting. I have pegged Arizona as an offense that's going to put up a ton of points this year. Curtis, I know we haven't actually talked about Rondell Moore in a while. We liked him as a prospect, you know, in this class where there was all these names. You on board with Matt's take there?
3: Yeah. I think he nailed it. Uh, yeah. I think he absolutely nailed it. Um, I'm a little unsure, you know, toward the second half of the season, you know, if we do see Tua a Tonga Bailoa, take the step forward, you know, Jalen Waddle could be pretty dangerous in the context of that offense. Um, so I think he would maybe be my dark horse. I do agree. Um, at, like right now, if if I'm picking, it's a three horse race, it's Devonte Smith, Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore. I think Jamar chase for the reasons that Matt mentioned I think Terrace Marshall, we didn't actually even talk about uh Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Marshall could actually be option four on that team. He could score a lot of touchdowns. I just don't think the overall volume will be there. Um, Jalen Waddle would be the dark horse. I, I don't actually think that Jamar Chase would, would make... I don't know if he'd be in my top four to lead in points this year. I mean, I'm not down on him at all. But when you're talking about um, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd... Uh, who are entrenched in, in the offense. I don't care about the chemistry between Burrow and Chase, you know, several years ago at a different level of football. It's a lot to overcome. Um, and, and so Rondell Moore has volume and, and basically a wide open path to be the number two target getter uh, in the Arizona offense. Elijah Moore, even if Corey Davis does really assert himself, Elijah Moore has a really good shot at being the number two target uh, in New York as well. Um, and Devontae Smith has, it has the inside track to being the number one target. So, I mean, I think those are really the three guys that make the most sense and we just have to see how it plays out in Miami. So, um, man, but I think what this really underscore underscores this entire conversation is how exciting this entire class is. Cause you talk about those six names from like a dynasty perspective. uh, I mean, just, just give them all to me, uh, any one of them. And I'm going to feel pretty great about, uh, that roster spot on my squad.
2: You know, Curtis, you you said some something there that just kind of triggered a thought. Um, Talking about Jamar Chase, and you're like, you know, I'm not like really off of him this year, but there are other guys that you know you like more in this class. I'm thinking, like, actually, like I am off of him. Like, I I don't think I've drafted him once this year, and and that doesn't mean that I don't like him long term. Actually, like I do like him long term. You know, obviously, uh, you know, the sky is the ceiling for him, but I don't have him in one league this year. Um, and, and maybe that just speaks to, you know, what you mentioned, like the depth in this rookie class where there are rookies you can get later in the draft who have that upside and you think, okay, I I can just, I can just wait. Um, and one more guy who is interesting and I forgot to mention, uh, and going deep here, Amon Ross St. Brown, like he really could be the number one receiver in Detroit. And like, I really doubt, like if he is the leader, uh, out of all the rookie receivers this year then this class is in trouble, but like it, it could happen. And and even if it doesn't happen, I think he, he's worth mentioning because he really could be the number one receiver in Detroit this year. And he's going so late in drafts where he's one guy. I have pretty significant exposure to just because I, I can't help myself.
1: So two natural follow-ups off of uh, that train of thought there. The first being, if you are off of Jamar chase, what does that do to your opinion of T Higgins and Tyler Boyd? Cause one would, I think naturally assume that that should kind of prop them up a little bit in value. Of course, T Higgins still going pretty early in drafts. And the second question is when you were thinking about it there, it kind of sounded like you were talking about the rookies as in we, we have to be trying to acquire some of these rookies, uh, is that a thought that you had in there to just kind of come out or like, am I interpreting that incorrectly?
2: So the, the first one, T Higgins, uh, I do like T Higgins this year. Um, he is more expensive than I, hoped he would be entering the season. and I think part of that is just because drafters, especially you know people who are in best ball drafts, drafting at all points in the summer,, uh, they're just a little bit sharper, you know, a little more obsessed with fantasy football. and so you know uh, T. Higgins is a little more expensive than I'd want. Uh, I still like him at his ADP. Uh, but I'm not going out of my way to acquire him. Uh, Tyler Boyd, um, you know, wh- whatever. I, I've always been too low on Tyler Boyd. That will probably continue until he is a Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Tyler Boyd, whatever. Um, the question about rookies. Yes, uh, I I do want to have rookies. Um, part of that is this class, but then part of it is, you know, like uh, I'm just a rookie optimist in general. Like I always have been, but, I, I think. I mean, we all know that uh, a significant part of winning in fantasy is capturing upside, and I think upside is correlated often with uncertainty. And the rookies, they are in you know uncertain situations. They are among the most uncertain players that you can get in any season and um i also think that people tend to be a little bit lower potentially maybe not so much anymore but in in a lot of like friends and family leagues people tend to be lower on rookies uh in part just because they kind of don't know them it's like it's a name they don't recognize uh and they would just rather go with whoever it is that they know you know uh and so i do tend to target rookies Um, in part because I think they're cheaper than they should be just kind of naturally. But then I also think they have more uncertainty, more volatility, more upside. And that's what I want to acquire.
3: All right. Yeah. And when we look at, when we look at ADP Dave uh, to play off of Matt there, there's just some tremendous values. We just got talking about, got done talking about, you know, where some of these guys probably will live within the context of their offense. So Terrace Marshall, uh, it is hanging out right around um, an ADP of 150 uh, in FFPC best ball drafts over the last uh week or so. So, we're talking uh, mid 13th round there. Uh, when we talk about Rondell Moore, uh, he's cresting into the 130 to 125 range. Uh, so we're still in round 11. I mean, Rondell Moore, like, as my wide receiver six. Uh, or wide receiver five in that point of the draft as a team wide receiver two probably in a high volume passing offense that's going to score a lot of points. I mean that's like duel inducing. And then uh, Elijah Moore right in that same area he's he's actually at 125 over the last week. Um, so those are like even if you're if you're listening to this and you're like man I just don't know. Um, and I don't feel comfortable with the uncertainty. Those are three players that really don't cost you anything and can and really juice up uh your roster in the double digit rounds without having uh to make you, you know, uncomfortable uh, or invest earlier than than you really want to. Uh going up, you know, just to finish out, you know, those six receivers we were talking about, um, Jalen Waddle, uh going in, in the one ten to one twenty range. Um, I, I could understand a little bit of trepidation there because you do have Will Fuller, you do have Devontae Parker and Mike Gasicki there. There's some other exciting explosive options in that offense. And, you know, how will Jalen Waddell assert himself? Um, and what's the level of talent comparatively? And then you get into Devontae Smith. Um, you know, he's outside the top 75 right now. I mean, he, he is really good value. It just comes down to, do you do you believe that that team uh, will thrive with Jalen Hurts and and not have a QB carousel. And um, do you think that they will allow a wide receiver to be the alpha target getter, and that it won't be some sort of uh, combination of Dallas Goddard and Zach Hurts leading the team in targets? Um, and then finally, I mean, Jalen, uh, Jamar Chase just seems really mispriced um, given our conversation. He's going in the top sixty of drafts. It, it's like I just I really just don't get it um, given all the other team talent. You're, you're basically making a super risky bet that he's the best option there from day one uh, amongst three really solid players. So he's, he's a total fade. I actually checked my exposure while you're going through that, uh, Matt. I also own zero uh, Jamar Chase across uh, more than 75 best ball drafts this year. So uh, we, we definitely found um, a commonality there.
1: So that was the is it time to panic sound effect. We're going to talk about a player that you alerted to or everyone in the fantasy industry to Matt that we should have been panicking on a little bit earlier. And that was Antonio Brown. This goes back a couple of years now. We now, though, see him in this invigorated Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense led by Tom Brady. A triple threat group of wide receivers there. Uh, I also want to, you know, you can use this to talk about your boy, Mike Evans, but I have been of the opinion that Antonio Brown could actually crush it this season. And I think that I expect to see all three of these wide receivers finish inside the top 36. And to me, it is not guaranteed that Antonio Brown is the one of the group that many would expect to finish between, you know, 25 and 36. I actually think it's possible. We see him being one of the players that finishes somewhere as a wide receiver too. What do you think of that?
2: I think he's a wide receiver three, but I can, you know, I can see how he crushes. Like that's the, that's in the range of outcomes. Um, he's going to have relatively soft coverage coming his way. And it's not just the three wide receivers. They've also got some great tight ends. And now, with, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, pump up Giovanni Bernard all that much, but I mean, like just all the way around. They have pass catchers on that field, which just makes the entire field harder to defend. So it's an easier situation for Antonio Brown. And he did pretty well last year, like to, to close the season. He did well. And so you could see, you know, another year in that offense, like actually having an off-season with Brady. Um, another year in that offense. Yeah, you can see how he does well. Um, but at the same time, there are so many other players who are going to demand targets that I don't think we're going to see Antonio Brown have the volume he needs to be much better than a low-end wide receiver, too.
1: All right, fair enough. Talk to me about uh, your boy Mike Evans, though, quickly before I let Curtis weigh in here. Are you still as firmly behind Mike Evans as you once were?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm behind him in that I think he's a Hall of Famer, you know. Um, But it's it's part of the problem of there being so many other players who could get targets that like I'm not going out of my way to get Mike Evans. I think he's a high end wide receiver too. With wide receiver one upside, if everything kind of goes well, one of the other guys gets injured. Um, but I mean, the volatility is a pain and that like that is something that is real that in any given game, he could have three targets coming his way. So it's, it's cliche to say like, I like him in best ball, but uh, I mean, he's for me more of a best ball play than uh, a, a regular managed league type of play.
1: Curtis, uh, as far as the three receivers go on this team right now who would be the player that you find the most attractive
3: it's it's tough I, my uh my primary investment in the tampa bay offense is actually in tom in tom brady and not any of the receivers um i have a, a lot of uh various stacks i probably have pretty even exposure to all three um earlier in the spring i was i was you know basically getting antonio brown in every single draft you know he was going between round 10 and 12 it's just totally different situation when, when you got to reach in round seven, I mean, round seven, Antonio Brown, you're making a decision, especially like in a tight end premium format. Do I want Antonio Brown or do I want like, you know, Logan Thomas or Dallas Goddard, you know, or one of one of the tight ends that, you know, you have to prioritize, to, you know, before that drop-off, uh, you're also looking at you know, some of the tier two quarterbacks. Uh, that's an ideal spot for um, a running back two, especially if, if you go with an anchor RB build, it's, it's difficult to prioritize Antonio Brown now. And there's also some other intriguing wide receiver options in that area of the draft, you know, when we're looking at the board. So I'm in our FFPC ADP and exposure report, just looking at the slim best ball uh, ADP over the last two weeks. And, you know, Antonio Brown is kind of sandwiched between Juju Smith-Schuster, LaVisca Chenault, um, Cortland Sutton and Debo Samuel. I mean, I'm kind of just happy with any of those guys if they're available there. So it's kind of hard to call Brown a target at this point. When we talk about the other two uh receivers, you know, Mike Evans going at the very tippy top of the fourth round, ADP around 39 right now. You're kind of deciding between Mike Evans, and early, an early pick on uh TJ Hawkinson, if you if you believe in his upside this year. Um, Cooper cup who, you know, we've talked an awful lot about, uh, this off season, Dave, um, very, very high on, on Cooper cup, but Evans, you know, he still intrigues me, man. I mean, he's one of the, you know, if you're going to just name quickly, like bar bet type of stuff, Hey, give me your five favorites to lead the NFL and receiving touchdowns in 2021. Like Mike Evans probably makes that list without putting too much thought into it. You know, he had 13 touchdown receptions last year. Um, and you know, he really seems to jive with Brady, uh, you know, down there in, in the scoring area of the field. So I don't expect really much to change, but the high end target volume is what he will lack like in the PPR format. So we, we kind of get into a situation where if he doesn't smash on the touchdowns, he ends up being a huge uh, negative, you know, win rate equity type of player in this area of the draft. So there's some risk there um, versus like a Cooper cup or Amari Cooper, who we expect to have, you know, kind of elite or or close to elite volume. It's also an area of the draft where you can get Daryl Henderson. We talked about him in a show earlier this week, and you know I just wrote a a pretty uh, big time article on the on the site about my thoughts on Daryl. Mark Andrews available in this area, so it's it's tough to prioritize Evans. I think he makes sense um, if if especially as your first wide receiver. And we talked um, yesterday about situations where you know maybe you've started. Uh, two running backs, and now you're really looking for who are those wide receivers that could absolutely smash, uh, and and maybe finish as a top six, but are being drafted as a wide receiver too. Like Evans has that, you know, maybe within a range of outcomes, and so in in that context of a build, I don't mind him. When we get to Godwin, uh, he's at the end of the fourth round, so same round as Evans, um, you know, but you can maybe get him at that four or five turn instead of that three four turn, um, a little bit more attractive. Uh, I'll still go with T Higgins over Chris Godwin, um, just based off of what I think their, their upside looks like uh, in those offenses. Uh, DJ Moore's still on the board. I still like DJ Moore more than Godwin, but he's like a fine consolation pick. I'd still prefer Godwin to like Julio Jones in that area or Adam Thielen in that area, if that makes sense. So I think, Hey, if they're the guy on the board that, and I'm looking for a wide receiver, I don't think any of the three are gross picks. They're just not really necessarily targets.
2: To follow up quickly on what Curtis said there, uh, you know, with maybe the the real investment in this passing game is Tom Brady versus any of the wide receivers. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I agree there. And it's, I think, a little bit contrarian to make the investment in a, a guy who's in the top 10, who's not a good runner. Uh, which, which means he has to have a really strong passing season to return value but with the the weapons he has and you know just his skill set it, it's possible and uh you know nelson Sousa, a really great high stakes player at ftn he has a an article uh with some bold predictions and one of his bold predictions is that brady's the number one fantasy quarterback this year like there's absolutely a path to it happening
3: yeah well, yeah i mean I can see- brady man we could see it again you can see it again, yeah. we can see it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, my projections for Brady are extremely optimistic, which I think is where a lot of my high expectations for the entire offense comes from, especially the wide receivers, A.B. included. We have to close things down for the Wednesday episode. Matt's going to be back with us on Friday. He's also going to give us a bold prediction on Friday's episode, and he's going to send us Spicy. off into the weekend with you know some life advice or some key you know, key commentary to set the tone for people. He's 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 you know getting a little uneasy there. We're gonna put him in the hot seat though, so join us on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at C Patrick NFL. Email us at ff show at gmail.com. Visit rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time.